Welcome to another inspirational message from Chowdean Community Church, Gateshead. For more information about Chowdean, visit www.chowdean.org.uk. We hope you enjoy the podcast. everybody. My um, husband and I just recently bought a little bird bath from Argos and I'm one of those people who does the customer reviews because I always think it might help people with their product quality. So if you, you know, if it comes up, do a review. Well, I'm the one who does those reviews. But on Argos's website, it said, don't use your real name, use your nickname. And I thought, oh, well, I, I haven't got a nickname. And if I've got to try and start remembering a nickname and a password, I'm going to be, oh, seriously troubled. Now, my husband, Colin, when he was a boy, he was known as Titch, as, as his nickname, due to his lack of stature. However, last week, he spilled miracle grow on his legs, so we're expecting him to be six foot by next week. Now, I haven't exactly ever had a nickname, but years ago when I was playing an imaginary dressing-up game with my now older grandchildren, I decided to be a visiting Greek lady by the name of Mrs. Diplodocus. So I'm occasionally affectionately known as Mrs. Diplodocus. However, I suppose it could have been worse. There was another occasion when playing an imaginary dressing-up game in the garden with the same grandchildren where I built a pod racer. Star Wars fans will know what I'm talking about here. It was made of cardboard boxes and buckets and tubes. And the kids were dressed up as Luke Skywalker and Queen Amadella. So I crept upstairs, painted my face red with lipstick, put a black skirt over my head, and pretended to be the villain Darth Maul. So I suppose being known as Mrs. Diplodocus is better than being known as Mrs. Darth Maul. But our dog... She has a middle name. She's called Ivy Riley. Riley, as in living the life of. But I suppose sometimes nicknames can be unkind. Sometimes they say something about a person's character. We might say, oh, here's Mr. Angry coming. Or, oh, Misery's her middle name. But I'd like to suggest that there's a character in the Bible about whom we could say, Hope is his middle name. Now, his real name was Joseph, and he was a Levite from Cyprus. But the disciples nicknamed him Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. And we first read about him in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 4. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Now, it says he sold a field. Now, as a Levite, I'm not sure how he came to have a field to sell. If you remember, when the Israelites first went into the promised land, they divided up the land between the 12 tribes, but the Levites were the priests, so the Lord was their portion. They didn't get any land. They were devoted to the Lord's service. So I'm assuming that the land he sold was in Cyprus. But that act of generosity must have been such an encouragement to the leaders of the early church and no doubt encourage others to be generous and to give like that. Barnabas gave his gift to the leaders to do what they felt was best. 
so proving that he actually trusted the leadership decision. And he cared enough about the believers in Jerusalem to give up his property, to just let it go. He was obviously already known to the apostles to have earned the nickname of Barnabas, which means the son of encouragement. And just, you know, don't a few words of encouragement, a small kindness, make such a difference, and they fill us with hope. You know, when somebody pays you a compliment or says you're looking nice or simply says thank you for something you've done, it makes such a difference. Now, I'm not talking about idle flattery, but, you know, if I'm being honest, if somebody pays you a compliment, it does make you feel good about yourself. It gives you hope that you're not looking quite as old as you thought you were. Just recently, I was invited to a lovely lunch party, and I had a new dress, and I put some makeup on, and I did my hair, and I thought I was looking quite nice. And then I put my glasses on, and I, I looked in the mirror, and Grayson Perry was looking back at me. So, But it does make a difference, and I wonder how often we ever say a few words of encouragement to our leaders here, who have to make really difficult decisions, or, or those people who are serving the coffee every week or the tech team, or the worship band, or the Sunday school teachers. You know, just a few words of encouragement. It would make such a difference. In the book of Hebrews, it says, Let us consider how to spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. One of my greatest encouragements is being in a prayer triplet. Just being able to be honest about your struggles and being helped along the journey. So it's good when someone encourages you, but it is so much more special when the encouragement comes from the Lord himself. You may remember that the last time I spoke here, I mentioned a little book I was writing, which hadn't turned out quite as well as I'd hoped. It was just about my journey with God and what the Lord Jesus has done in my life. And, and the Lord Jesus is so wonderful and so marvelous. And, you know, you just want everybody in the world to know how, how wonderful he is. Anyway, a, a few of you gave me some encouragement. And they encouraged me not to give up, but to keep going and to keep trying. So a few weeks ago, I finished the book. Now, it's called Empty Handed. But I was really struggling to get the front cover right because I'm not a designer, and it was going to cost £100 to get somebody, a professional designer, to design the front cover, which was just stretching the budget a bit too far. Now, I was lying awake, fretting during the night. You know, it, don't you find, during the night, you fret about the most inconsequential things, you know, that you think, oh. So I was lying awake, fretting. The next morning, I came into church, and Margaret Nicholl was on the door, and I said, Margaret, can you just pray for me? I am so annoyed with myself. I, you would think after all these years of walking with the Lord, I could just trust a little bit more and not be lying awake fretting about something which is not really important. You'd think I would just leave it to God and trust and not be agitated, and I'm really disappointed with myself. So I sat down, and we started to worship. And the words empty-handed were in the first song that we sang. And Colin nudged me to make sure that I had noticed. And I thought, you know, Terry was chairing. And the first thing he said when he got up to speak was, just leave your anxious thoughts to one side this morning. And I really felt that God had spoken. You know, I know it could be a coincidence, but what are the chances of the words empty-handed coming up on the screen when you've been fussing about the front cover 
of a book called Empty Handed. And I really want to encourage Chris and the other members of the worship band, when they're choosing songs for us to sing, God can use those songs to really speak to us and give us that encouragement. It's the eyes of faith that say it's not a coincidence. And just to encourage you not to be worried. Now, I have brought along some of the books this morning. So if you would like to take one, they are free, and read it. And then if you think it's suitable, please pass it on. Don't leave it sitting on a bookshelf. Please pass them on to other people. You see, I remember years ago, my husband took up watercolor painting. And overnight, I became an art critic. So I'm hoping that you don't all become literary critics or that you become experts in the use of the English grammar. But I have to say, and I'm really, really thrilled and encouraged about this, but I have had such wonderful responses from um, non-Christian friends, friends who don't go to church. I've had two neighbors, two separate neighbors, come to the door with thank you cards, and both of them have come in and sat down and shared a little bit, and Colin and I have been able to pray with both of them which I consider to be a great privilege. These are people with no church background at all. But Barnabas had a gift of encouragement, and it's a lovely gift to have. There are many people in this church who have that gift. And he used it to build up the believers. Because in the early days of the church, the believers came under great persecution. And much of it was carried out by a man named Saul. He had been zealous in rooting out the followers of the Lord Jesus and taking them prisoner. I always imagine him in my mind to be a bit like Inspector Gervais in Les Miserables, absolutely convinced he was doing the right thing and that he was the righteous one. Saul was obsessive in his commitment to stamp out the followers of Christ. Then, of course, Saul has this marvelous conversion where he met the risen Lord on the road to Damascus. And very quickly after that, he began to preach the good news about the Lord Jesus in the synagogues. It just shows that the hardest heart can be changed, and we should never lose hope for our loved ones. After a while, Saul himself was threatened, so he escaped, and he made his way to Jerusalem, where he joined the disciples there. Naturally, the disciples were very wary of him. Again, like Inspector Gervais, who joined the rebels at the barricade in order to infiltrate and spy on them, perhaps this Saul was a spy. Perhaps he was just pretending to be a believer, to find out more about them. The leaders were suspicious. Could this man be trusted? Then in chapter 9, we read, Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him, and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. Where would we be if it weren't for those two little words, but Barnabas. What a difference this man made. If the apostles had rejected Saul, we can't imagine what would have happened. Certainly the New Testament would have been a lot shorter without the letters that Saul, who later became Paul, wrote to the churches. But Barnabas, he really had a gift for seeing the potential in others. And he took a huge risk there, vouching for a man who had been so zealous in his persecution of the church. I wonder if we always allow for the grace of God in the lives of others. I'm sure that we all have regrets about things that we've said and done, 
We might not be breathing out murderous threats against the church as Saul did, but I'm sure that there have been attitudes that were wrong and words that we wished we'd never spoken. We are not the same people we used to be. God is at work in each one of us. We are being changed. In the past, you might have thought of me as being a bit bossy, a bit opinionated, and I would agree with you. I can look back with dismay at some of my behavior. But thankfully, Jesus is changing me. I am not the same person I used to be, and neither are you. So perhaps we just need to cut each other some slack and remember that we are all on a journey and we're all at different stages. But because of the persecution in Jerusalem, many of the believers were scattered. And as they went, they shared the good news about Jesus and the church began to spread and grow. Acts chapter 11. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. The people being saved were Gentiles, not Jews, and this was something new for the leaders to sort out. Antioch was a modern city and not a very wholesome place. The people mostly lived immoral lives. Now that they had met Jesus, how would they behave? You know, they were untaught, new Christians. It was a messy situation. The leaders in Jerusalem needed to send someone that they trusted implicitly, someone who would encourage, bring hope, and not rock the boat. Diplomacy was required, so they sent Barnabas. It was obviously the right choice because we've just read he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. He didn't rush in there and say, right, okay, now you've been saved. You need to clean up your act. You've got to change your lifestyle. Start obeying the rules and regulations. No, he went in there lovingly and he simply encouraged them to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts, knowing that if they did that, he could rely on the Holy Spirit to do the work of change within them. It can't have been easy for him. Being a Jew, he would have been brought up to believe that Gentiles were outsiders, not welcome in God's kingdom. But I think in these next verses, we really get the measure of the man. Acts chapter 11, verses 25 to 26. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. Barnabas doesn't think, hmm, I've got a nice little church going here. You know, I've earned a good reputation. Now I'm going to settle here and be the preacher. This is my time in the spotlight. No, he doesn't think like that. He knows his own limitations, his own gifting. And he isn't afraid to ask for help and showing real humility. We don't know why Saul had returned to Tarsus, his hometown, or what he was doing there. But Barnabas knew that him, Saul, was the more dynamic preacher. So he set off to find him. 
It wasn't easy. Antioch to Tarsus was 150 miles, which was a significant journey in those days. But Barnabas knew what he was good at, and he also knew when he needed help. He knew what he wasn't good at. He recognized Saul's potential, and he encouraged him to be his best. And it's a great gift to recognize potential in others. The growth of the church isn't determined by the greatness of the Sunday sermon. The church grows and people's needs are met as individual Christians, each one of us, just reach out to others every day of the week and do what God has gifted us to do. Some of you are great encouragers. Some of you are great listeners. Some generous givers. Some great prayers. So whatever God has gifted you to do, do it for his glory. Who knows what it could lead to? And just to note, the believers were first called Christians at Antioch, and it was meant to be a mocking nickname. But if that's a nickname, well, that's one I'm happy to be called. But back to Barnabas. We find him and Saul setting off on their missionary journeys together, preaching the good news and establishing churches wherever they went. Paul, the preacher, Barnabas keeping Paul encouraged along the way. His name was changed to Paul here eventually returning to Antioch together. Acts 15, 36 to 40. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preached the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul didn't think it was wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had a sharp disagreement such that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. Sadly, we see that no one is perfect. These were two godly but differently gifted men. They fell out and went their separate ways. Barnabas wanted to take his cousin John Mark on their next journey. Paul disagreed. John Mark had let them down previously, and he wasn't prepared to give him a second chance. It wasn't one of those a pleasant, like, you know, let's agree to disagree. They had a sharp disagreement. And it's always sad when Christians fall out with each other, but it does happen. It appears that the church sided with Paul as he was commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And there's no mention of Barnabas being commended by the brothers, which must have been a bit hard for him. After all, he'd taken a risk with Saul back in the day when the Jerusalem leaders were wary of him. But it seems that Paul couldn't show that same grace to Mark. Barnabas knew that Mark had potential. He doesn't want to give up on him. But perhaps Paul was right, and Barnabas just wanted to keep the peace. Encouragement isn't always sweet words. On occasion, we need people in our lives who can encourage us to see the truth about ourselves, even when it isn't what we want to hear. In the book of Proverbs 27, we read, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Two metal blades rubbed together make them sharper and more effective as knives. The word of God is like a double-edged sword. We sharpen each other with the word of God. And sometimes we do need someone to speak that word of God into our lives to make us more effective in his service. Now, much later in 2 Timothy, Paul writes, get Mark and bring him with you, because he is helpful to me in my ministry. Why was Mark helpful? Because Barnabas didn't give up on him, because he kept encouraging him to be all that he could be. 
Now, it's great to have people in our lives who can encourage us and build us up, people who recognize potential, allow space for development. But what's even better is when we get that encouragement from the Lord himself through his word. In February of this year, the leadership agreed to me taking on the leadership of the pre-teens group in church, eight to 12-year-olds. We're called the extreme team. Now, I have been a Christian for 36 years, and I have done loads of different jobs, but God constantly takes me by surprise. In all the time, I have never wanted to work with the Sunday school, never wanted to work with the children. But all of a sudden, it was what I really wanted to do. It was what I really, I was, you know, really had a desire to work with that and really be able to impact them at that age group. But obviously, it's a learning experience for me. I'm not getting it right all the time. So on the first Sunday, I woke up feeling rather nervous. It's such a huge responsibility and a privilege, and I really wanted to invest in these young people's lives. Now, I looked at the Living Light daily reading book that was next to the bed, and there was a verse from 2 Corinthians chapter 3, which says that we, with unveiled faces, reflect the Lord's glory. So I prayed that I would have, and the other members of the team, would have an unveiled face that the young, that the young people would be able to see Jesus in us. After breakfast, I sat down to pray, and I was using a commentary from Hebrews that James Crichton recommended. Nice little books, I can recommend them. James recommended this little book. So I'm reading in Hebrews chapter 2. And, it, and again, it said, we are God's image bearers. And it referred to the verse in 2 Corinthians. We with unveiled faces show the Lord's glory. So I was really encouraged. I thought, oh, the Lord's really with me in this. You know, that's twice I've had the same verse in one morning. I'm sure the young people are going, I'm going to be where God wants me to be. The following week was the ladies' cafe. And we're watching Alpha Films with Nicky Gumbel. And he was sharing about how when his father died, the Lord kept giving him the same verse of encouragement. His father had recently died and he was a bit encouraged as to whether his father was saved. But as he prayed, he felt led to a verse in Romans that says, all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Had his dad called on the name of the Lord before he died? At that moment, Nicky Gumbel's wife Pippa appeared and said, I've just read a verse which I think is for your dad. All who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. A few days later, he was sharing this on the Alpha film. A few days later, they were at a house group, and that verse came up again, the same one. Still uncertain, Nicky explained the next day on his way to work, he passed a large hoarding with the big words that said, all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Somebody said to him, Nicky, do you think that the Lord might be trying to tell you something? Now, during the discussion time with the ladies, um, as you know, we sit around and talk what we've, about what we've heard after listening to the film. I said to my friend Linda and Doreen, well, the Lord hasn't spoken to me four times, but he has given me the same verse twice. And it's we with unveiled faces reflect the Lord's glory. On the Saturday evening, Colin and I were listening to the Bible in a year. And we were in Exodus. But again, the preacher referred to 2 Corinthians and the unveiled faces. The next morning... I'm in this commentary again, but I've got up to Hebrews chapter 8 by now. And honestly, the same verse referred to again in the commentary. 
Monday morning, I walked into the living room. Colin was listening to the Bible being read, and it was the same verse again five times, and I just had to smile. I thought, Lord, you've just given me all the encouragement I could ask for. I really do pray that these young people are going to be able to see something of Jesus in us. Romans 15 says, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus. God gives us encouragement. He is an encourager, and that encouragement gives us hope. I'm going to ask the band if they would come back up now. Not a lot more is said about Barnabas. The book of Acts continues with the tale of Paul's journeys. Now, there is a man whose name you have probably never heard, but he is a man who changed your life. His name is Eugene Pauly, and he invented the remote control for the television. I'm not sure that he changed our lives for the better, whereas Barnabas changed lives very much for the better. Without him, we would not have had, we may not have had, Paul's letters or Mark's gospel. He's not high profile in the Bible, but without his gift of encouragement and hope, we would be a poorer people. So I would want to encourage you today to encourage somebody else. How great it would be if people could say of us, Hope is their middle name, and that will only happen as we allow the Lord Jesus to rule and reign over our lives, because he is the one who gives us hope. Thank you. This is the end of this message. We hope you enjoyed it. If you want to find out more about our church, please visit www.chowdean.org.uk and please take a minute to rate our podcast on iTunes.